Welcome to the Cowboys Beat audio podcast, streaming live on the Cowboys Beat Podcast Network, where we talk about everything related to America's team. Prescott got a carry. And reach, flip, sets up first and goal at the... Hosted by none other than Chris K. Third and seven, blitz coming, Prescott in trouble, lofting it to the corner. You may know him from his work on TikTok, but now he's taking over the podcasting world. We're not here just to take part, we're here to take over. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. Yo, what's going on guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat Podcast for September 13th, 2023. My name is Chris, I'm your host. It's a parade inside my city, yeah! They wrote me off, I ain't right back though. That's the problem, I ain't right back, let's go. Well, you want to know what, Gino? I wish you would have wrote back on Sunday because I had you in a six-leg parlay. Uh, I had to end up cashing out because you guys were stinking it up against the Rams. Uh, all I needed you guys to do was at home beat a team that won like four games last year. And you couldn't do it. I believe the hype. I believe the hype. People were telling me Geno Smith was better than Dak Prescott. People, was tell, people were telling me that Geno Smith's a top 10 quarterback. People were telling me that the Seattle Seahawks were going to make the NFC Championship game. They were telling me all these, these things about this team. I had a guy comment on uh, uh, my recap for the Cowboys-Seahawks game saying, we'll see you guys when we see you guys next. Yeah, all right. I can't wait to see you guys. Ridiculous, man. Come on, Geno Smith. On today's episode, though, um, I watched the All-22 for uh, the Cowboys and Giants game. I want to get into that. And then I want to talk about this upcoming Jets game without Aaron Rodgers playing. So uh, before we get into that, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe as well. That would be greatly appreciated. And without further ado, let's get into it. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball. So there were a lot of people that thought that the Cowboys offense didn't look that good in this game. I I don't necessarily know what you were looking at. I mean, I think they scored 27 points this past game. They scored three touchdowns. Um, I think that the offense looked fine. (laughs) You know, uh, I think they could have executed a little better, no doubt about it. I think they left points on the table. But at the same time, I think that this offense looked fine. Uh, I think it looked a lot different from Callum Moore's offense, but that's kind of what you should have expected because he's not the coordinator anymore. You know, the, I think Cowboys fans were so used to high power, explosive offense, put a, pun, uh, a bunch of points on the board type of offense. The Cowboys put a bunch of points on the board. I mean, they scored 27 points on offense. So I think they did pretty good for themselves. So, you know, a few things that, that I noticed. One, it was fluent play calling. And this is what I mean by fluent play calling, okay? Um, they weren't necessarily conservative, but they weren't necessarily aggressive either. They kind of found a happy medium. I think they 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 played to what the game called for, right? Like there was that time where the Cowboys called that fourth down for Brandon Cooks. That was an aggressive play call. But then there was that time where it was that third and 12 where Mike McCarthy said, hey, look, nothing's happening here. Just hand the ball off. We don't want to switch the momentum in the game and punt the ball to the Giants. You know, that to me was a conservative play call. But sometimes it calls for you to be conservative. Sometimes it calls for you to be an aggressive. Every game has a flow to it, right? 
And one problem that I had with Callum Moore is that he didn't understand the flow of the game. Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer, these guys understood the flow of the game. And, and, and it was very nice to see. It was very nice to see. And look, that's the thing, you know, when you look at the Bills and Jets game, I think that the problem that the Bills ran into, they should have won that game. They should have won that game going away. You want to know what the problem is? Their, uh, their coach and their quarterback didn't understand the flow of the game. But honestly, I put that on the coach, to be honest with you. There, look, here's the thing. My problem with, uh, football discourse is when people say, Oh, well, the quarterback gets paid all this money. They should know the flow of the game. Okay. So the coach shouldn't do their job just because they make a bunch of money. No, the coach needs to do their job. The coach needs to go up to the guy and say, Hey, look, this is what type of game we are. You stay within structure. You don't turn the ball over and we're going to win this game because the, the bills would have done that the other day. The Cowboys did that the other day. I don't think that that was necessarily the difference between the Cowboys winning this game or not. I think there was a lot of other things. But I think going forward, understanding the flow of the game and the ebbs and flows, and sometimes we need to be aggressive, but sometimes we need to be conservative as well. I think that, you know, fluent play calling is a very powerful thing. You know, leaning towards one side, or not necessarily leaning, but favoring one side, to me, I don't necessarily think that that's the best idea, in my personal opinion. Um, the Cowboys tight ends are going to be asked to do a lot in this offense. Uh, I know people didn't really like the play of the tight ends uh, the other night. I, I, Here's the thing. I understand where people are coming from because they're looking at what they were doing as pass catchers. And when you look at what they were doing as pass catchers, I can't defend what they were doing. You know, uh, it was it was bad. I'm, I mean, they dropped balls that they shouldn't have dropped. But at the same time, when you look at what these guys were doing as blockers, they were doing some very good things in the run game, right? There were multiple times throughout the course of the game where they would uh, send in motion Jake Ferguson, and then they would pull Jake. They would start Jake Ferguson on the right side of the line, send him in motion, and then pull him back to the right side of the line and have him be a lead blocker. There was a play that Tony Pollard had that uh, the three tight ends on the field, it was 13 personnel, they sprung him. and Tony Powered had like a 20-yard game. So, you know, the tight ends are going to be asked to do a lot in this offense. And I think that's why the Cowboys drafted Luke Schoonmaker in the second round. Because they had such a uh, a big idea for these tight ends, right? Like, they, they looked at them and they said, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to want to get to the outside uh, and we want our tight ends to be able to block at a very high level. They All three of them did an excellent job blocking. I understand. I get it. As pass catchers, they need to be better. They cannot drop certain balls. They can't. It, it's just people are right by saying that. They need to be held accountable for that. But we also need to give them credit where it's due. And it's due in this area of the game. And and if you're going to execute that well uh, as blockers when you're being – when that's going to be a big part of this offense, I have to say, hey, look, you need to get better here, but – I got to give you a pat on the back for what you were able to do in this specific area because what they were able to do was was very good. It was very good. The tight ends did a very good job blocking. Um, another thing that I saw was Turpin. Turpin playing running back. I want people to understand what the Cowboys are going to do with Turpin as a running back. So you didn't see it in this game, honestly, because I, I don't think the Cowboys needed to do anything special in this game. 
They'll have Turpin starting out in the backfield, and they'll want to get him matched up on linebackers or other big personnel. Um, that's one thing they're going to do with Turpin. But, I mean, like, when you see uh, him as a running back, it looks like he's been playing running back for a long time with just how patient he was, with how he was setting up his blockers, with, you know, some of the cutbacks, or with, yeah, some of the cutbacks that he did. He looked good as a running back. Like, very good as a running back. Uh, so salute to Turpin. I think that that's going to be another wrinkle in this offense. I don't think that you've seen uh, the last of that. They're going to continue to do that. And uh, I'm completely fine with that. I'm completely fine with that because I think Turpin had some very good reps as a running back. And uh, Turpin's going to Turpin's gonna have a role in this offense. I mean, we, we've already seen it. To me, like I think he had more... He definitely had more snaps than Jalen Tolbert. Maybe he's the wide receiver four, and we didn't even know. And we didn't even know that he was the wide receiver four. So another thing that I saw from this offense, uh, when it came to the play calling as well, I should have I should have mentioned this with the uh the other part of the play calling. Um so to me, there's a difference between being creative and being cute. Kellen Moore got cute far too often. Uh there's a difference between being being creative and cute. So there were multiple times throughout the course of the game where Mike McCarthy came up with something creative. Let's just say that Cavante Turpin uh, wrinkle that they added that offense. That's creative. That play on the goal line where Dak Prescott started in a shotgun, then went under center, pitched it to, or uh, yeah, he uh, started in shotgun, went under center. They uh, sent Peyton Hendershot in motion as a lead blocker, pitched it to Tony Pollard, and, you know, they scored a touchdown off that. That's a creative play call, you know, because what what were people expecting? They they were probably expecting a run right down the middle. But the way they were able to uh, dial that up was was impressive, you know. Um, so creative is good, being cute isn't. And I don't think that's something that Mike McCarthy wants uh, to be as a play caller is cute because... You, you can find yourself in some bad situations, no doubt about it. Um, one uh, play that I really liked was that was that C.D. Lamb play down the field where he was wide-ass open. That's stuff that you see. Those are the type of looks that you saw Jalen Hurts get a lot last year because their offensive coordinator did a really good job of dialing things up. But what I liked about that play in particular was that so you had Jake Ferguson running a, a slant uh, on the outside, you had um, Brandon Cooks on the inside running. Uh, yeah, Brandon Cooks on the inside and Michael Gallup on the outside running a mesh a mesh concept, and then you had uh, CD Lamb running that wheel. Now we talked about the slant flat concept, but there are multiple variations that you can add to that specific concept. And one of those things is, uh, you know, a slant wheel concept because you know when. Certain defenders are going to look at that concept and be like, all right, you know, they're going to run a flat, but then they turn it upfield, just like they did the other day. But I also think that that, that slant uh, and, and, you know, making those defenders run into each other uh, was a big part as to why that concept worked. And, you know, that's another thing, right? What I liked about that specific play call is you had the, the slant uh, wheel, right? But then another, you had multiple concepts working within each other. If that wasn't there, now you have a mesh concept that that you know you feel good about, and uh, they were going to convert that third down even if that you know if that route wasn't open. 
if CD Lamb wasn't open, if that route didn't work the way that they wanted it to work, they were going to find somebody open. And that's the thing, right? On third down, I think that that was a part of the game. They needed to pick up a first down. You know what I'm saying? They needed to pick up a first down right there just so that the the offense could get some momentum, the offense can get some rhythm, and and that's what they did. That's what they did. Um, I talked about it. I think I talked about it on uh, the other podcast that I did earlier in the week. You know, when you're playing in that type of rain, it's hard to make hand, hand catches. You know, and when you're in an offense that prioritizes yak, it's hard to catch the ball with your hands you know, tuck it in and get upfield. And so I wouldn't say it's hard. It's a lot harder to do that in the rain. You know, a lot of times, and it wasn't even just in the Cowboys game. It was just in a lot of the games that were played in that Northeast region. You saw guys kind of catching it like uh, like they would catch a kickball, you know, body catches all over the place. And I mean, it is what it is. It was, I mean, it was it was a torrential downpour in that region of the world. So, um Overall, as a whole, with the offense, you know, it it didn't look like Kellen Moore's offense, but that's perfectly fine. It, this isn't Kellen Moore's offense. This isn't Air Coriel. This is West Coast. These are different principles that you're going to have in your offense compared to what you had before. And to be honest with you, I welcome the change. So let's talk about the Cowboys defense, which was the star of this game, no doubt about it. Uh, no pun intended when I say that, by the way. Um so obviously we know that Micah Parsons played a tremendous game. I think that plenty of people all throughout the national media, all throughout the Cowboys content community, all throughout pretty much everywhere told you that Micah Parsons played a great game, which is true. He played a great game. But I think there are other Cowboys on this defense that had great games as well. In particular, I really liked what I saw from Dorrance Armstrong. He got off and, you know, he had two sacks this game. He probably should add more. Going to be 100% honest with you. Look, when you can force one of the best left tackles in the league to hold you um, after you just absolutely beat him off the edge, which is what Dorrance Armstrong did in, in a particular rep in which I'm talking about, uh, he probably should have gotten another sack uh, on that rep. So, you know, Dorrance Armstrong played very well. Oso Diguzua played very, very well. You know, that's the thing, man. If Osa Odigizua can be a game wrecker on the interior, now you have to single team, or I'm sorry, double team either uh, uh, Osa or Micah Parsons and single block one of those guys. It's it's not a recipe for success. It, you know, it's really not. And especially now that you have Osa, you can line him up on certain parts of the uh, defensive line where you can match him up with guys that just aren't on his level. And you saw that the other night. He was winning so often. He, I mean, he had two sacks in that game. I mean, that's incredible for a defensive tackle. You know, I think that Oso Diyuzu is going to get you about eight sacks this upcoming season. If he gets you eight sacks, that's like Jeffrey Simmons types, uh, type numbers. How great would it be to have a Jeffrey Simmons type guy on this defense? Oso Diyuzu can be that for you. You know, one thing I talked about with Oso Diyuzua, I thought that he was very capable of taking that year two to year three leap, similar to what Trayvon Diggs did from year one to year two, to where now he's a household name, just like, again, a Jeffrey Simmons, uh, maybe like a Quinn and Williams type. Maybe, maybe. That would be great. That would be great if, if, if that would be the case. But, um, you know, got to take it one game at a time here. 
But uh, yeah, Oso Digizu are very impressive. I thought that uh, Marquise Bell was impressive as well. I mean, this guy led the team in tackles, and this guy was just flat out everywhere. The way he's able to read and react to certain plays, it's almost like he has such a quick timer in his head. You know, he sees the play and he reacts instantly. You know, and he's he's fast too, and he hits hard. I mean, there was a play where Saquon Barkley was running through a gap, and that was uh, Marquise Bell's responsibility. He met him in the gap. Uh, center tries to get to the second level. He dips under the center and puts an absolute hit on Saquon Barkley. So that was uh, really good to see from Marquise Bell. I loved what I saw from the corners. Uh, Trayvon Diggs was physical this game. I mean, you know, people had a lot to say about his tackling last season. He made big plays this game, no doubt about it, when it came to, you know, what he did in coverage and how sticky he was in coverage and the hits that he was putting on uh, the Giants guys. And Stephon Gilmore, another guy, sticky in coverage, made that, had that interception. I mean, it's just... This defense has so many guys on it, and they come in waves, and they rotate guys in and out. You know, if I were to go down the list and tell you guys how how many guys in this defense performed well, it, I, I'd be I'd be talking forever. Jonathan Hankins played well. Mozzie Smith had some really good reps in there. Uh, Dante Fowler. I mean, like I'm I'm gonna miss out on somebody. Chauncey Golston is a guy that played very well. Sam Williams played well. I mean, it's just and and the thing is, this defense is only gonna get better. This defense is only going to get better, guys. You know that they don't have Donovan Wilson, right? You know they don't have Jordan Lewis. Now, granted, they are going to suffer injuries throughout the course of the season. No doubt about it. But at the same time, this defense is so loaded. Uh, they have so much depth on this defense that, you know, I, I think that they can withstand an injury. They, I, I, Micah, I, I'm, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to put that out there in the universe. But, um, you know, yeah, there's, there are certain players that would really hurt if the Cowboys lose them on this defense. But I th- I just think that this is the best defense in the league. I think they're the most talented defense. I think they're the most well-coached defense in the league. And they're just hungry, guys. They're hungry. You know, um, I mean, you see it in so- sounds of the sideline, just how hungry these guys are. You hear it in their interviews. You see it in training camp. This is the best defense in football. This is a defense that can win you a championship. And that's the thing, right? Like with now the offense calling plays the way that they're calling plays, I, I just think that the Cowboys are leaning into a certain identity, which is we're a defensive football team and we're going to make sure that we don't put our defense in bad situations. Because if we don't put our defense in bad situations, guess what? We're going to win a lot of football games this year because the defense, you know, last year, I, and here's the thing, right? I I, I want to go over these turnovers. A few years ago, right? Two years, two seasons ago, they led the league in turnovers. I thought that they were an above average defense that elevated itself because of their turnovers. So they were an above average defense that got a lot of turnovers, which turned them into a a, a really good defense. Last year, I thought that they were a good defense that got a lot of turnovers, which turned them into a really good defense. I think this year they're an elite defense who gets turnovers, which means that they could potentially be a defense that we talk about for a very long time. I mean, that that's the type of level that I think this defense can be playing at. Uh, you know, you're talking about one of the best defenses of the 2000s, I think. That's what I think this defense can be. I mean, where's the weakness? Where's the weakness on this defense? 
You know, is it is it in their secondary with with Gilmore and Diggs and and Curse and Hooker and Wilson and Bell and Wanye Thomas? Nope. Is it in their second level with Damone Clark, Leighton Vandrash, Devin Harper? Could be, could be, but they play so much uh, uh, nickel and dime that you know. Being a little light at linebacker, it kind of just is what it is. As long as you have safeties that are, you know, able to uh, uh, be physical, like guys like Donovan Wilson and Marquise Bell are, you know, you, you can kind of you, you can kind of ease that a little bit. You know, being light at linebacker is it on the defensive line with Hankins and Osa and Mozzie and and Chauncey Golston and Neville and you know Neville's not that great, but. Uh, Dante Fowler, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, who played well, really well as well. Forgot to mention him. Again, so many guys that I, I just, you know, it's hard to mention everybody. Where's the weakness on this defense? What are you going to exploit? Run game? I, I don't I, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. I don't. I, I think that's maybe the part that you're going to be able to get the most off. But at the same time, even still, I like I like this run defense as well. I think this is a good run defense. I think the Giants had some success uh, in the early parts of the game, but I, I also attribute a lot of that to Daniel Jones running the football as well, you know, getting out of the pocket and, and, and picking up some yards. So, man, just overall, uh, defense as a whole is going to be incredible. And, you know, you you look at Philly's defense and, and their inability to cover the middle of the field – Cowboys don't have that whatsoever. Cowboys do not have that whatsoever. So, you know, they're going to force these quarterbacks to make difficult throws. You know, it, things are not going to come easy for opposing de- uh, offenses. And here's the thing. I want people to understand this, right? When you look at the quarterbacks that we're going to be playing over, you know, the course of the season, you know, over the course of the season, we're going to be playing better better quarterbacks than we're going to be playing in the playoffs. Which quarterback scares you? Purdy? Doesn't scare me. I know he beat us last year. I mean, granted, it is a team sport. Beat us last year. We're better. We're a better football team than we were last year. Jalen Hurts? No. Did you see Romo calling that guy out in 4K about missing reads? He ain't going to be able to miss reads against the Cowboys. And the reads won't be there for Jalen Hurts. He's going to struggle against this defense. He struggled against uh, a less talented defense in New England. What is he going to do against us? We're we're going to eat him alive. Uh, Goff, Stafford. I mean, maybe Stafford. Maybe I think Stafford's probably the 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 best quarterback of all the guys that I mentioned. You know, he's probably the most capable of picking us apart. You know, him and Cooper Cup. Other than that, I mean, what what quarterback scares you against this defense? To me, none. Not even the quarterbacks that we play in our schedule. With uh, Josh Allen and uh, we were going to play Aaron Rodgers. We're not playing him. Playing Jalen Hurts. Playing Matt Stafford. We talked about him. I'm, I'm not afraid of these guys. Jared Goff, I'm not afraid. Why should I be afraid of these guys? We got a defense that warrants us feeling confident in them. So overall, tremendous performance from them. And I, and I can't wait to see what they do on Sunday versus the Jets. Now, let's talk about the Jets. So, as we know, Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. He's going to be out for the season. Just absolutely heartbreaking for Jets fans. You want to know what? There's certain fan bases that I look at and I'm just like, I I, I can't even, 
talk shit to you guys. I feel bad for you guys. Like, I feel bad for Jets fans. Like, they were dejected after that Aaron Rodgers injury. They had a lot of expectations for this season, and rightfully so. This is a damn good football team. The Jets are a damn good football team with Aaron Rodgers. They're just they're not as good with with Zach Wilson, uh, to be honest with you. They're they're just not. Um, I think they have some flaws on that football team, especially with their offensive line. I don't think they have the the personnel on the outside to compete with the Cowboys. You know, I understand they have Garrett Wilson. Other than that, who do they have? And and are you trying to tell me that I should feel I, I should feel scared about Garrett Wilson going up against the Trayvon Diggs or Stephon Gilmore? No, why would I do that? Why would I do that? And you know, I I just I look at this team and I'm like, look, they're going to take a massive step back without Aaron Rodgers because like that receiving core, it's it's not that great. Like I don't know if it's a top fifteen receiving core, but if you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, that's going to make that receiving core a lot better because your quarterback's a lot better. But you have Zach Wilson behind a suspect offensive line and with a suspect receiving core. I just it takes a lot out of this game for me because I wanted to see the Cowboys go up against Aaron Rodgers. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see if we can get that that you know that thing off our back because to me that's what this season's all about. We got to get our lick back. And I was like, cool. We got Aaron Rodgers week two. That's where it starts. We're gonna get our lick back, just like we're gonna try and get our lick back with San Francisco. You know, like that's my thing. That was the biggest part of the season. We got to get our lick back, and one of those games. Aaron Rodgers, and unfortunately, it's not going to be the case anymore. Aaron Rodgers won't be playing this game, which sucks. I hate it. I hate it so much. So, you know, I, I hope that he has a speedy recovery. He's he's old, man. Like, he's 39 years old. It's it, it's not necessarily a quick recovery, um, even though I'm, you know, I'm wishing that upon him. But, you know, at that age, that type of injury, yeah, it sucks, man. So, you know, we're going to be playing Zach Wilson this week, and... Um, you know, I look forward to the game, but it does take a lot out of it not playing Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That's going to be it for the episode, though, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you guys haven't already, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to hit that thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe as well. And uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you may be listening to this at, please make sure to leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated. You guys are awesome. Uh, we're starting to get these reviews up, which is uh, which is fantastic to see. You guys are the best. So, um, yeah, uh, midway through the week here, it's funny cause I have off Mondays for, you know, the next, the next month or so it, it's like, I work one day and it's like, oh damn, we're already almost done the week. This is actually a great thing. I, I enjoy having four day work weeks. Uh, but that's besides the point. I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Cowboys beat audio podcast. Please make sure to follow the show and leave a review. We'll We'll see see you next time time on the Cowboys Cowboys Beat Beat Audio Audio Podcast. Podcast.